0: All right. If you don't have a Bible, please grab one in the back. Um, we have all different languages. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you're going to need one. We're going to be here to study God's Word, so it would be great if you grabbed a Bible. All right. So let's get going. If you've got your Bibles, remember what we looked at last week. A lot of you guys were here last week. We looked at Luke chapter 5, 27 through 39. And I had put a title on that message called Questionable Actions. Maybe some of you are thinking, have any of you had questionable actions this week? Has people looked at you or looked at your actions or maybe questioned your decisions or the behaviors this last week? No pointing fingers at each other. No pointing fingers. Have any of you had questionable actions? See, last week we studied about Matthew, Levi, as it was known at that time. And his actions caused others to question what he was doing, his actions. Why would Matthew just get up, leave everything, and then follow Jesus? These were very questionable actions. These are the actions I'm talking about. Maybe some of you had some other questionable actions. I'm not sure. But what would cause a person to follow after Jesus in such a way that the world around you would question, what are you doing? Why would you go to Myanmar? Why would you give up everything in this world to go follow Jesus? Questionable actions. And as they ask you why... Because people will ask you, why would you do this? This is crazy. You can share. You can share the experience that you've had through your faith in Jesus Christ. You can share the grace and the mercy that you've experienced through Jesus. It gives a great opportunity to share the gospel. Why why would you do this? I just I wonder, do you have such a passion to reach the lost? that even other christians would question your actions think about that it's happened to me i'd like you to if you got your bibles turn over to acts acts chapter 5 and look at it, two verses or so uh, acts chapter 5 verse 27 maybe 3 through 29 then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them We have given you strict orders, never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human authority. So here's another question to kind of segue from last week. Have you... Or would you break the rules to be obedient to God's calling on each of your life? To go out and share the gospel? What do you think? Would you break rules to go out there to share the good news? As you think about this, this question I've asked, let's turn over to John and we'll start our message. John chapter 5 We'll start with verse 1. And remember that question as we go through the passages. John chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. This week's passage begins with Jesus now in Jerusalem. Now, we're not told by the passage which festival, but only that Jesus now has traveled from Galilee. Remember, last week he's in Galilee. Now he has traveled to Jerusalem to observe this Jewish holy day, or this festival. The focus in the passage, the lesson that we're going to look at today, isn't going to be on what feast Jesus was attending, but what he would do while he attended this feast in praising and worshiping God. Jesus, he was always obedient. We know this. Always obedient. He followed God. But it's interesting this story. we're going to see Jesus' heart His heart to save the lost, to speak to the hurting, to speak to the hopeless. We're going to see his heart this week. Even to reach out to those who didn't even know they could find hope through him. Think about that. So let's see what's going to happen. Let's look at verse 2. Inside the city near the sheep gate was a pool of Vosada. said it wrong. With five covered porches. This story, again, begins with John explaining where and the exact detailed location of where this story took place. I really like that because as we read our Bibles, we do learn more and more about Jesus. But I find it so amazing that as we read, we see these places that are mentioned in the Bible. But they still exist today. We can read that Jesus went to Jerusalem. We... Can go there today. But in the passage, you get actually like a precise location, don't we? With even details. It was inside the city, near the sheep gate, and the pool had five covered porches. You know, this is a real place that you can go and visit today. Kevin was telling me that he's actually been there in person. Maybe some of you have also. I'm not sure. Have you guys been there? Some of you maybe have. So you can actually go there and visit these places that are mentioned in these stories in the Bible. They've also found tons of archaeological evidence that not just these places that we know exist, but also the people. There's, there's proof. Today, they're still finding it. These stories that we're reading in the Bible, they're true. The, the places mentioned in the Bible, they really exist. And the people, they're real people that really existed. And the miracles that are spoken of also are very real. Even every story that we read in our Bible is of real people and actual events that took place. All the way from creation from Genesis to redemption in Jesus to the judgment coming in revelation. It's all real. Turn in your Bibles, hold your finger there in John, but I want to turn over to Second Timothy. Second Timothy three sixteen. Many of you know this passage? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word is real and is given to us by God. I want to take a few minutes, I want to look at some photos, you know, because I was just telling you all of this, this place is real, but I want to look at some photos, we're going to look up here, so what we have is the runes that exist today, unfortunately Kevin, I couldn't use, I got your video in there, I couldn't use the pictures because of the format, but I got the video, so we're just going, I just want to show you these pictures, because you can go there, Kevin was there, maybe some of you have been there, you can go there to this place today, see the next photo, there's another picture, This is the pool. Now, here's a rendering, uh, an artist rendering of what they thought through the description of what they found, what they thought it might look like. So here's one idea with the two pools and the five porches. Here's another one, a little bit different. Um, You know, I don't know exactly what it was like, but we do have the runes. It looks similar to one of these. I think maybe more like this one. We can actually get a, I think I got a map maybe next that shows the location of it. You can see there. And then we have a video taken by Kevin of it. Yeah, some some of When so I say these places to are to the the real, but Kevin was there taking that, this, uh, this video. there and this is the edge of it. This is one four pieces. So yeah. And if you look down there, it's details the, the thirty to forty uh three I find this so amazing just to have that context to know that as we get into today's text, it's real. I mean, you can go there today. So let's get back into the passages. But I wanted to take a minute just really to expound on that. Again, John chapter 5. Let's continue in verses 3 through 6. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on their porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, as we get into this, I have to address this. Many of you have some have different Bible translations. Did you notice something there? Did you notice that when I read it, part of, I guess, I think part of verse three and part and verse four was just not there. Anyone notice that? You notice that verse 4 is just missing? Kevin's over there. Some Bible translations continue in verse 3 by inserting. I'm going to read it. and I don't think I put it up there. I think I forgot. Waiting for the moving of the water, for verse 4, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the strain of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. There's a lot of debate, a lot of discussion by people way smarter than me, way smarter than anyone in here, about should this passage be in here, or should it not? Um, this All it does, if you look at it, it explains what had been taking place at the pool. Now, should it be in our Bibles today, or should it not? This debate, I'm not going to get into. I don't, you know, there's lots of opinions on it. Um, I don't, i tell you one thing, though. There's nothing in the text here that's untrue, right? There's nothing that's untrue. Was it in the original manuscript or was it just a footnote on the side explaining what was taking place? The text that here, it doesn't change the story. It, it doesn't change what was taking place. In fact, it does expound and give us a little more knowledge of what was taking place, So let's look, let's look exactly what was taking place. What we see here in the passages, what's really important is Jesus. Jesus is pursuing or he is seeking out a certain man. And then he presents him with a question. Would you like to get well? There are many people there. I mean, we know in the story, there's many sick people there. They were all there seeking to be healed at this pool. Yet Jesus saw this one man and went to him. Why, did, why didn't Jesus openly present this question, would you like to get well to everyone there? Why only this one man? Makes this question even today, when I think about today. Why today are some people saved from their sins while others are not? Why are some miracles performed On some people, and they're healed from their sickness, and others are not. Jesus knew this man. He knew his heart. He also knew every other person that was there, and he knew their heart. Jesus knew this man, this paralyzed man. He knew what his response would be. Faith. Faith in the physical healing. So Jesus went to this man. He knew his heart. And he pursued this man. He, Jesus pursued the man. Remember this. He pursued this man with the question, Would you like to get well? Sadly, sadly, if you asked most people today, Would you like to be freed from your sins? What would their answer really be? I think we know the answer, right? A lot of people, they're content in their sins, aren't they? It comes back to this question, Would you really like to get well? Jesus knew these, this man's heart and he knew the other people's hearts. Jesus knew. Jesus knows our hearts. Our answer to this question, obviously, was yes, because we're sitting here. Jesus seeks out those who truly want to be healed from their sins through faith in him. Kind of a different, you know, Jesus seeks those who want to be healed from their sins. Jesus chose in this story to reveal himself to this man personally, just as he has chose to reveal himself to each one of you. Let's see the man's response in verse 7. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. This man, he now looks at Jesus and he presents this problem to Jesus with a real sincereness of hopelessness. I can't. Now, please realize he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know that Jesus was God. He didn't know Jesus could heal him. All he knew was this man had came up to him and asked him this question. He didn't know who Jesus was. He wasn't seeking Jesus. He was just there. This man, at some point, being there, had placed his hope in his ability to get himself into the pool on his own strength with the hope of being healed. But then, at some point, came to realize that he would never be healed on his own because he wasn't capable. This man, he knew. If healing were to ever be possible for him, someone would have had to have came and carried him. But nobody was there to help him. Do you see a picture? A picture in your mind. This is every one of us at some point, isn't it? Every one of us. So Jesus is going to respond to this man's hopelessness. Let's see in verse 8 through 10. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed, and he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cursed, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. So Jesus, he's going to perform this miracle. He's going to heal this man. But first, what does he do? He says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. It would seem to me, as the man responded in obedience to Jesus' command, in faith, instantly, the man was healed. Then he continued to follow Jesus' instructions by rolling up his mat and walking. I can get a picture of all this taking place. I can see this happening. So Jesus, he had come to this pool, That had many sick people there, each hoping for an opportunity to be healed from their different things. Verse 3 even says there were crowds of people. So there's a lot of people. And I think about this place. I don't think this would have been a pleasant environment. All these people there. You imagine all these paralyzed, sick, diseased people there, sitting around... Hoping when the bubbles would come up, they could get to the pool. The, I, I imagine even, you imagine the smell that would have been there. Urine, I'm sure that was there. Body odor, infection. I, I mean, I imagine all these sick, paralyzed people sitting around all this time waiting, hoping. I mean, you wouldn't want to get up and leave, mess your t- spot. Many people, including I think a lot of us, perhaps would have walked the other direction from these people. Wouldn't we? You think about all these sick, hurting, paralyzed people sitting around this. Imagine the sickness that had to been present there from the lifestyle that these people had lived, being paralyzed and different things. Most of us, I mean, in there and in that time, probably wouldn't want to go around there and get sick and catch something. There's no telling what was going on there. As I think about this and all these people sitting around... I see another picture. I see a picture of sin. Because just as a person can be physically handicapped, as we're talking about these people here, as they were not capable of living out the life that they were intended, sin also cripples a person in the same way preventing them from living out the life as God intended them. You know, a person can become paralyzed by sin. Sin. Just as these men in the story were physically unable to help themselves, sin can do the same thing in a person's life. There's many results of living a life of sin, aren't there? There's many different results. Many consequences from living a life of sin. I mean, we know some of them. Loss of relationships is a big one that happens commonly. It can be loss of the ability of even to take care of oneself. It can be a loss of health. It can happen. It can even become physically sick from living a life of sin. It's very common. I thought of this, this analogy of a drug house. Maybe uh, some of you have seen it on TV, or maybe some of you have been in a drug house. I've been in several throughout my years of life uh, for different reasons, um, good and bad. But when you enter into a house that a group of people have used for doing drugs... They're in there, and they're sick. They're sick for many different reasons, from their disease, from different diseases, from doing the drugs, from not having, just not being healthy, from that sinful life, that years of the, living this sinful lifestyle. So if you were going to this drug house, you can imagine what it would be like. I think most people can have an accurate idea of what it would be like. These people that are in there, they're unable, and I do believe this, they are unable to help themselves. They are trapped In their sin, they're hopeless. They're dying both physically and spiritually. I think most of the people, when you think of it like a drug house, they're in there. They've given up. They've truly given up to their addiction. They've submitted themselves to their sin and the consequences of their sinful lifestyle, accepting and just believing this is just who they are, this is how they were born. You know, this was my story before I came to Christ. I had just given up. I just accepted the fact that it was my fate. It's just the way I was born. It was the lot that I was given. Look back at verse 6. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked them, Would you like to get well? Jesus. It was Jesus. He went there. He sought out the sick. The sinner. He sought out the hopeless. Jesus came to the person to save them. He came to this paralyzed man. He came to him. Do you want to be healed? He came to... Jesus came to save all the ones that had given up on everything, including even themselves. I just love this. Jesus seeks us while we are still enslaved by our sin it offers freedom he offers healing it's amazing jesus has gone to those who have just given up on everything and asked them would you like to get well this man in the story says though i can't i can't you know what he was right he couldn't could he jesus can jesus could and he would He asked us to come to faith and to receive this healing. Just as this man did, he acts in faith, he stands up, and he was instantly and completely healed physically. In love, Jesus sought this man out. While he was still in his sin, Jesus healed him, just as Jesus has done for each and every one of us. This man wasn't seeking Jesus. He wasn't. But Jesus sought him. It's beautiful. And then, this man was physically restored. Look back at verse 9. Instantly, the man was healed. This man has been healed from his physical condition. So now he takes this nasty bed mat, he rolls it up, and he walks away. As he's carrying this mat, following Jesus' instruction... This causes these religious leaders, they take notice. Um, And they condemn this man for breaking the rules, right? Because it was a Sabbath. After Jesus has just performed this miracle, these religious leaders are all worked up about this guy carrying his mat. They were more concerned with these these man-made rules than what God was doing and how God was restoring this man. You know, this same thing actually happened to me this week. Personally, with religious leaders, they were more concerned with man made rules than the revival in this area. They're like, No, you can't do that. Yeah, we can. If God has called you to do that, you can. So let's see this healed man response in verse 11. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. He's like, I was just following Jesus. The one who healed me. I love the kind of, maybe the innocence of his answer as he was following orders from the one who had just saved him, the one who had just healed him. He's not concerned with this, what he was doing at this point, with breaking man's rules or not. He was just being obedient to the one who had just healed him from being paralyzed for 38 years. When Jesus leads us each to do something, do we question in our minds that certain people may not agree with it? Do we question in our minds that certain people may have problems with what we're doing? Or are we just obedient to Jesus, the one who has saved us and healed us from our sins and given us a new life? How would people respond? I think about many of you. I know your testimonies and the different works that each one of you do. How do different people in your life respond if you said, I'm just doing what Jesus told me to do, what Jesus called me to do? What do they, how do they respond to you when you tell them that? What would the religious leaders say to even this man in the story who had just been healed, yet their biggest concern was he was breaking a man-made rule? Let's see. Verse 12. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. By what authority, they're asking, by what authority these religious leaders truly believing that they were in control? Their own power, their own pride, their sense of self-righteousness has blinded these men to see what Jesus had done. He had done a great work. There was even a revival getting ready to take place there. But they were blind. They didn't see it. You know, this happens today, just as it's happening in the story in the Bible, doesn't it? Christians are more concerned with following tradition, culture, or fearing man-made rules based on fear than trusting God. Because they, and because of this, many people, Christians, miss being a part of the work that God is doing being a witness to the miracles that are taking place all around us. It's sad. Really sad. Let's continue and read the man's response now to these religious leaders in 13 through 15. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the jewish leaders that it was jesus who had healed him jesus had left after the healing so the man had at the time had no one to point to he didn't know who jesus was he didn't know how to find him he didn't even i don't think he knew him at the time by name perhaps this man knew nothing of jesus but it was healed it was remember it was jesus who sought this man out this man was not seeking jesus but then again jesus goes And intentionally, he seeks out the man again in the temple. Now he reminds him, when he sees him again, you have been healed. But then he warns him to turn from his old life, or the consequences will be even worse for this man than being paralyzed for 38 years. So Jesus has just healed this man physically, but it was time for this man to break this cycle of a sinful life. It was time for him to repent. It's interesting. I mean, after Jesus rebukes this man, what does he do, though? He runs right over to the religious leaders, and he points out Jesus as the one that they were looking for. I, I'm not sure what to think about this guy. You know, was it fear that drove him, fear of the religious leaders? Um, I'm not really sure. All I know is that Jesus did heal this man. Then soon after he received this new life, I don't think he really stands up for his faith, did he? He didn't really stand up for who Christ was and what he had done for him. Now, what's interesting is Jesus knew this beforehand, didn't he? Jesus knew, and I believe that's why he had went and warned him to repent of his sins. Just like Jesus knows each one of us, doesn't he? Yet, he knows everything that we do, and he still loves us. So much to give his own life, even as undeserving as each of us are. I just love to see how we see this guy, and Jesus loved him, and he knew, he knew, he knows us, he knew, and he still gave his life. So let's see what's going to happen as Jesus has now been identified as the one that was performing these miracles on the Sabbath, breaking their rules, Verse 16 through 18. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My Father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. How dare you break one of our rules and heal a man on the Sabbath? How dare you? How dare you, each of you, go out and share with the lost that Jesus loves them without the correct paperwork? Saying that you're allowed to do this by man. How dare you, each of you, go out and provide basic humanitarian needs for families as they flee from war without having the right test? How dare you go up and worship God in a public place without asking man's permission? I quote Jesus, My Father is always working, so am I. I will and I pray that God would lead me personally through the Holy Spirit so I'd have wisdom of how to fulfill the Great Commission. I will not disobey God's commands because I fear man's rules. I won't do it. If there are worldly consequences to obeying God's word, I understand that and I accept them. I fear God. I fear God, the one who has healed me, the one who has given his life for me. These religious leaders, they were so upset with Jesus. And Jesus is going to rebuke them in the, next, in the next verses, 19 through 47. We'll study that next week in part two of the message, Breaking the Rules. As we get ready to close up today's message, I want to read a quote from a study Bible. After 38 years... This man's problem had become a way of life. No one had ever helped him. He had no hope of ever being healed and no desire to help himself. The man was paralyzed in sight of healing. His situation looked hopeless. That is, until the day that Jesus made his way through the crowd. Among all those trying to be healed, Jesus found the one who could not help himself. End quote. Jesus knew this man. He knew his heart. Just as he knows each and every one of us. He knows our sins. He knows our past sins. He knows our present sins. He knows the sins that we're not even yet to do yet. He even knows many of us, as many of us have even turned from Jesus at times to the things of the world and the fears of the world. He knows this. He knows all these things. But he went to this man just as he came to each one of us. While we were still sinners. This man was surrounded by sin. Wasn't he? Yet he came. Jesus came. And he came to him and presented the question. Would you like to get well? The grace and the mercy that I see here. That Jesus gave this man and give each one of us. It's indescribable. It is truly indescribable. The grace and mercy that Jesus gave this man and gives each one of us. I'd like to look at a passage in Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus loves us. He loves each and every one of us. And he seeks us out, and then he calls us out of sin while we were still faithless and hopeless. So Jesus, we see in this story, he went to many places, not in just this story, but many stories. He went to many places and many different people that even today some of us would avoid, truthfully. Some of these places that Jesus went. We know the stories. Jesus went to the sick. He went to the sinners. And he went and he met with these people in person and he asked each of them, would you like to get well? Are we following that example that we see here in God's word? Going out to the sick, to the hurting, to the lost, to these places that would be indescribable where they're at. Asking them, would you like to get well? Because Jesus saves and he can heal you. When Jesus healed this man in this story, he broke the rules, didn't he? He broke the rules. Jesus was more concerned with saving the lost than these man-made traditions, cultures, and laws that were there. This world that we live in today, especially today, has made up this system of rules through fear that would tell you not to go to church. Maybe you've heard that. Would tell you not to fellowship with one another. They make these rules. Not to go out. Not to go out and share the hope of Jesus with the lost. These rules. Not to go out... And heal the sick. To speak hope. Into these people that are hopeless. I pray the Holy Spirit would convict. Every single person. To fear God over man. To fear. God's law. And God's commission on each one of you. Over man. And be obedient to the scriptures. Be obedient to God. I'd like to close with reading a verse in Psalm. Psalm 56. 9 through 11. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? The title of this message was Breaking the Rules. Jesus broke the rules in order to save the lost, to heal the hurting. And today in our society, I believe many man-made rules are starting to come in between us as our commission as Christians, as our anointing as Christians, and what we should be doing. And I suggest each one of us seek the Holy Spirit and pray that He would reveal to us how to follow Him and we would fear God and not man. And yes, There may be consequences at time to that, isn't there? It's real. I'm not saying it's not. There may be real consequences. But I choose to follow God. And I choose to be obedient to his word. Because these rules are going to get worse. There's going to be more. They're going to continue. It's not going to change. It's not going to get better. The end times are upon us. So I know many of you do a lot of things to go out in the name of Jesus, to share the hope of Jesus Christ through many different methods. And as you do that, many of you do break some rules. Jesus broke some rules. Sometimes we need to break some rules. And I know we're to be compliant to the government. I do believe that. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be that. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, I think sometimes we really need to seek guidance from the Holy Spirit and see how he would lead us. Because a lot of these things are created to prevent us from acting on the calling that God has given each and every one of us to go out there and share the hope of Jesus. Next week we'll continue with part two. Please pray for me, with me again. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I do ask for prayer, Lord. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that each one of us, Lord, and me, Lord, we would seek you in all of this, Lord. That you and your word would guide us, Lord, on how we are to be as Christians. That we would follow after you, Lord. We would seek the lost like you did. You went into the places that were undesirable. You went to the people that were probably undesirable, Lord. And you sought them out, Lord. And you went to them and you told them, would you like to be well, Because you had the answer. That was faith in you. So, Lord, I pray that each one of us, Lord, would leave here into the mission field, Lord. And, Lord, we would go and seek the lost. And, Lord, sometimes there's rules. But, Lord, I pray that we would just seek to follow you. So, Lord, I just pray for your anointing on this message, Lord, that nobody would misunderstand what it is. I believe your word is saying, I just pray your spirit would speak to each one of us the truth through the scriptures here, Lord, as we look at these passages and see what you did here by breaking their man-made rules. Again, Lord, I'm I'm not trying to say we need to go out and break every rule, but when it comes to sharing the gospel, Lord, we need to be obedient to you. And I fear you and not man. So, Lord, again, I just praise you, Lord, and I just... Ask, Lord, that you'd speak to us, Lord, and watch over us and protect us as we go out, Lord. Just watch over us all, Lord, as we go out, Lord, and just show us how each one of us can go out there and share the grace and the mercy that's been given to us so freely. In Jesus' name, amen.